Hello, I'm Arthur. Um, I'm here with uh, Homero and Matias from Headline. I'll start with a fast introduction, then you can follow on the questions. Um, for those who don't know Headline, uh, Headline is a global venture capital firm with teams on the ground in eight cities around the world. With four billions in assets under management, Headline has a network of four regionally focused early stage funds in the US, Europe, Brazil, and Asia, and has also a global venture growth fund that invests internationally. Its portfolio includes companies such as Acorns, Angie, Appfolio, Bumble, Farfetech, Happy, among others. Here in Brazil, we can mention Pismo, Creditas, Gimpass, and on lists as some of their notable investments. Matthias Schilling, uh, he's a co-founder and managing partner at Headline, uh, is a long-time investor. He should, uh, has made his way from Berlin to the Silicon Valley and was responsible for launching all Headline funds globally. Romero, Romero Rodriguez, managing director and partner at Headline Brazil. Uh, Headline in Brazil is focused only on early stage investing in Latin America. Romero is also co-founder and CEO of Buscapé Company and Comparison Shopping Service launched in 1999. So let's start. Uh, we are here to talk about the globalization of venture capital from Silicon Valley to Rio. How do you see Silicon Valley now and its similarities and difference with other regions such as Latin America? Let's start with Matthias. Great, thank you. And it's wonderful to be in Rio. Uh, I just got here today actually from San Francisco. Um, and so let's, let's talk a little bit about, about Silicon Valley. You know, when I started in the business 20 years ago, um, it has changed quite a bit since actually. 20 years ago, it was more like a geographic cluster where, you know, you would say the best of the best um, would come to and you would have all the ingredients and people that you would need to build a company within I would say about 30 miles um, from your office and, and the golden rule at the time was that you could not invest a company that was further away um, than one hour from your office and, and that's only 20 years ago. Today you know that has significantly changed and frankly has been that change has been a big factor in the founding and division uh, of Headline because we believe that the best global companies can be started anywhere. And so to me today, the notion of Silicon Valley is much more an idea than it is you know, a geographic center. It's more the idea of that an idea cannot be bold enough, you know, that people are investing money into massive risks um, and that you really allow founders to, to develop you know their seemingly crazy ideas and that's the idea of Silicon Valley but I think this idea can be you know implemented anywhere in the world including Brazil um, and that's really what headline is about you know where they have eight offices around the world four funds in different in different continents and we're trying to build companies with the notion of the Silicon Valley idea around the world. Romero, you want to add something or we can jump to the next question? Sure. So 
That's for you, Romero. Do okay. you evaluate startups from Latin America differently to those from the US? Are there any particular factors that are especially important to you when considering startups based in Latin America? Okay, so first of all, thank you all for being here. Glad to be at Web Summit Rio. Um, so I would say that the bar is as high as any other region. So we try to find mine and find the best entrepreneurs worldwide. Um, having said that, uh, Brazil is a huge market with a lot of uh, different dynamics, specific dynamics, uh, and this ends up making uh, a lot, creating a lot of opportunities in Brazil. Uh, and because of that, startups in Brazil tend not to be direct copycats of startups that you find in, in US and Europe. I would say that in the past, we saw a lot of companies that were copycats of American models. Nowadays, you see more and more original models being uh, born uh, in Brazil. Uh, the entrepreneur itself, I believe the Brazilian entrepreneur is uh, as good as any other entrepreneur worldwide and eventually better. And I think it's better because the Brazilians can adapt better, uh, specifically because we know that in Brazil, it's very hard to do mid-term and long-term plans. So because of that, Brazilian entrepreneurs, they pivot faster and they also understand the customer pains earlier than uh, entrepreneurs in other places. What do you think, Matthias? No, I think that covers it well. I mean, I think the point again is the same that I think is very important is that the best global companies in today's world can be created anywhere. And, you know, we have very high hopes that there's many that will be created in Brazil. And what you guys see that are the main obstacles to growth here in Brazil and Latin America? Uh, and what are the main drivers of growth in this region? Yeah. I mean, in terms of maybe I start with the obstacles, Vera, and then, then you go deeper into the opportunities. In terms of obstacles, I think, and this is something we see in other geographies other than the US around the world. You know, we see it similar in Europe, we see it in a market like Japan, etc. which is on the one side, the access to capital. And, you know, there I would really distinguish between local capital and then capital that we call helicopter capital, that's investors that, you know, come in on a helicopter into a certain market and are there for a certain period of time. And I think we saw that particularly here in Brazil in 2020 and 2021, a little bit in 22. But that capital, you know, we call tourist capital. It comes in and it really goes out again based on kind of the perception of a market momentum. Um, and that's not sustainable capital. And then it's important to have really local capital that's lasting in a particular market and, you know, in that regard, I think Brazil is still, you know, at its early stage of the ecosystem. You know, there's many, many investors here that have been built up in the last years, but it still doesn't have the same critical mass as we see it um, in a market like China or in the U.S., you know, with a much bigger um, ecosystem. And that's, you know, these bigger funds are important to really truly scale companies uh, to, a, to a global scale. So that's the one factor. And then the other factor is also an obstacle, I think, which is 
that the exit markets in a market like Brazil are still less mature than in a market um, like the US. And that's also comparable um, to, to Europe, where I think you know, the biggest companies really have the opportunity to go public in mostly American exchanges, but kind of the IPO markets of slightly smaller companies are not you know, mature enough and not yet have the critical mass. And similarly, you know, on the M&A side, there's not enough strategic that purchase company, you know, at the rate that is necessary uh, to make the returns. And, you know, it's kind of these two issues are linked. You know, when you have better exit markets, it attracts more investors, and then more companies are being built um, that uh, get to exit markets. So it just takes time. You know, it will come, but it will take a little bit more time here. Well, talking about the opportunities, I, I usually say that Brazil is probably one of the best countries to start a company. And uh, in the end of the day, founders are always chasing, looking for pains to be solved. And uh, the greater the pain you solve and the greater the market you are at solving that pain, greater the chances of creating a huge business. Um, and Brazil has all the ingredients. So it is a huge market. We are talking about over 200 million people under the same laws, under the same language, uh, with social mobility, an affluent middle class growing and forecasted to continue growing the next 20 years. Uh, but at the same time, Brazil has tons of pains and tons of inefficiencies. You can find inefficiencies everywhere. And at first glance, it sounds bad. But for an entrepreneur, this is great. Uh, this is where he can build something that is 10 times better and 10 times cheaper. It's way harder to do this in Sweden. <laughs> Find something that is 10 times, uh, 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 you can do 10, 10 times better. So uh, these ingredients makes Brazil probably one of the few countries where great business models can be created locally and eventually expands everywhere. So great example. If you think about, if I ask any one of you 10, 15, 20 years ago, what country would produce the largest digital bank? You would say China or India in numbers of accounts. Imagine, 1 billion people. But no, it's Brazilian. It's new bank. And why is that? You have a lot of inefficiencies, a lot of pains. Banks used to have one of the lowest NPS and one of the best returns in terms of ROE. So it was ready for disruption. As long as technology was adopted and a digital agency was in your phone, boom, 80 million accounts. And now taking other countries as well. So in that sense, I think there are tons of opportunities and, uh, and it's always new, always reinventing. Every new technology wave opens opportunities in every single sector to be rewritten. Great. Let's talk a little about uh, the global scenario of venture capital. Do you believe, uh, Matthias, first, uh, that we are living in a new normal, or are we going back to the old normal since the liquidity scene in the pandemic was an exception period? Yes. Um, I mean, it's interesting, you know, to me, the pandemic was really no, only the ultimate extreme of a fairly long period, I would say it was 10 to 12 years, uh, which was a period that was not normal. 
and why is that? You know, it was really a function of, you know, the feds pumping free money into the system. And if you look historically, always what happens when there's essentially free money, you can even borrow money at, you know, zero, zero percent interest rates, it always, it always leads to speculation. And I think that's what we've seen, you know, in, in the last many years, not only the last two years. And then, you know, within the pandemic, I think it was a strange time anyways, but I think it also led to people believe that fundamentally the world has completely changed, you know, that the notion um, that you would order everything from your house and that you wouldn't go to the office anymore would last for a longer time than it did. And I think we all know today that that is not true. And so I think a lot of the market sizes that people have imagined have come back to normal. So you take these two different factors, which is one, capital and money is not free anymore. In fact, you know, we believe that the cost of capital for the startup in today's environment has practically gone up by 10x. And then secondly, you know, that many of the digital markets that we thought you know, would have infinite growth, you know, now are more uh, normal market sizes. And then you have the new normal, and that new normal, frankly, from our perspective, is a good normal, right? Because um, speculation is not good, and too much money is not, too, not good. And, you know, when people start to compete with just money, it's not good. So to answer in short, you know, this is the new normal in my view. And, you know, I've been doing this for 25 years, and so we've always seen the cycles. Um, and that's a normal thing, and I expect this new normal cycle to go on for a couple of years. So, Homero, in this good normal that Matthias said, uh, what advice would you give to startup owners in this good normal, in this current environment of lower valuations and less money in the market? Okay, so I think my advice would be, well, first of all, I think being a founder is to, and start a company is to build more with less. And in these recent years of abundant capital, we saw the opposite happening. So let's grow uh, as much as possible, regardless of making any sense. And we saw a lot of people literally selling $1 for 90 cents, and then for 80 cents, for 70 cents. And of course, you are pretty much distributing money, so you see uh, the top line growing. And especially some business models are very easy to inflate top line and generate sales. Uh, the real entrepreneur is selling $1 for $1.10, $1.20, $1.30 and generating value for everyone. And, and I think when we say the new normal uh, is this normal, it's also back to the old normal where you were creating a business model that makes sense, is generating value for the client and also generating value for all the stakeholders, including the shareholders. So in short, I think you need to put together a company that is solving a real problem efficiently. Be super careful, especially at this moment in, in the economy with your cash position. Um, you, you should try to think about business models that are capital efficient. To scale atoms is way harder than scale bits and bytes. And the cost of capital is way more expensive. So maybe 10 times more expensive than it was before. 
So uh, take it really seriously and think about the long run. Great. We have only uh, fewer than two minutes, so let's do a last question. Um, you both have been long-time investors in the Brazilian market. How have startups and their founders changed over these years? You can start with Homero and then Matthias. So I think one of the things we mentioned, uh, we early, early on, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing tech for the last 25 years in Brazil. So I started in 1998. And we used to see a lot of copycats. And now we see more and more original models that win the Brazilian market and then expand overseas. So uh, Gympass is a great example, Nubank and others. So, uh, so I think the startups and the Brazilian entrepreneurs started to change the mindset to a global mindset and not only a local mindset. This is definitely one of the, the shifts I've been seeing in terms of startups. Well, the only thing I would add is, again, I mean, when we started here in 2012, you know, we didn't quite know what the quality of the entrepreneurs in Brazil would be. And, you know, we had a pretty good perspective because at that time we were already in the U.S., we were in China, um, and we were in Europe. And I have to say we were absolutely amazed at the quality of the founders and the companies they were able to build. So my advice is for Brazilian entrepreneurs, be confident and think global and think, you know, not only competing in Brazil, but think competing globally. You know, come to the U.S., you can win actually on a global scale. Great. Well, we are right on time. Um, sadly, our time is over. I want to thank Matthias and Romero for these opportunities and thank you all in the audience. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much.